we're going to do a quick survey through the first block of material so that we can catch up with our thoughts as we get into uh, the lesson that you have in your outline there from verse 15 down through to verse 23. But what I want to do is just remind you of what Paul has already written to the church in the first block of material, which is so important because it praises God for the fact that he has given us the total spiritual blessings that we could ever want, and they are to be found in Jesus. So there's no spiritual blessing that we could need that he hasn't already provided for us. And of course, we Christians now can understand that. But the point, important point of this particular block of material is that Paul is telling them that God had a plan for them which he had founded before the foundation of the world. And here was the plan, that in Christ Jesus, they could be his children. And that those who in faith come to Jesus become God's children in Christ Jesus. He predestined that. Now, if you have any questions on predestination, uh, I would like to confuse you a little more. Because at the end of this little commentary that you have, uh, there is a section there on predestination. I think it is, yes. And it discusses the different views of predestination. But Paul is saying, apart from the modern views that we see of predestinations, predestination, which implies that God chose certain people, Vicky, yes. to be saved. Yes. And certain people, Nancy... Uh-uh, sorry, you cannot be saved. That's basically the concept of predestination. It works on the assumption that everyone who is born, okay, inherits the sin of Adam and is consequently totally depraved. And so on your own, you cannot be saved. See? But God has a plan that through Jesus, some of you can be saved. And those some of you are the ones who would have faith in Jesus. What we're going to notice as we work through as into the rest of the thing, well, let me just back off on that. First of all, God's plan for us was that we should so live that we bring glory to God in Christ Jesus and the church. That's a message we want to hang on to because Paul is going to come back to that on several occasions. Three times, Paul will say, for this reason, for this reason, for this reason. And so we might ask ourselves, for what reason? Well, for the reason that he's already given us, that we might live our lives in such a way that we bring glory to God. So that's a theme that you're going to run through as we look at our Ephesian letter. So with that in mind, let's drop down now to verse 15. And notice where it starts. For this reason. What reason? Come on, be bold. It's easy. For this reason, what reason? To bring glory to God. That we might so live that we bring glory to God. Okay, that's the reason. Okay, that we might live. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and of your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, 
that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power in us who believe according to the working of his great might, which he accomplished in Christ when he raised him from the dead and made him sit at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head of all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Okay, so he starts out here, that little expression, for this reason, uh, which is an interesting uh, uh, Greek expression, can mean, and is very often translated, because of this, okay, because of what God has done for us, what does Paul do? He said, I'm going to pray for you folk, that you might come to the right kind of knowledge in spiritual wisdom, and that you may know what this mystery is all about. And he plays with some words there that unfortunately we tend to lose as we go through that because, you know, we have knowledge and know and this type of thing. But the Greeks very often could amplify a word and give it more intensity as he used it. Um, One of the simple things about Greek that you need to remember, one of the things we teach our students right up front at, at, at university, is in Greek... Okay, you with me? In Greek, one plus one does not equal two. And you say, wait a minute. No, what I'm saying here is in Greek, if you take one word and another word, and each of those words has its individual meaning, and you bring them together in one word, it impacts that. It intensifies the meaning. It enlarges on the meaning. And, of course, Paul would have understood that, and the hearers would have understood that. So when he comes on here, he says, I'm praying for you. I, don't, I, I do not cease to give thanks, remembering your prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom. Okay, uh, How many of you have felt that you need a spirit of wisdom? Uh, <clears throat> I think it's on Wednesday night or Sunday night, which one? Uh, John Williams, Dr. John Williams is leading a class discussion. Uh, no, he's doing, the Christ, uh, he's doing Christian ethics. It's uh, Wes that's doing the other one on Christian ethics. And, and no, forgive me, my brain is messed up here this morning. Wes is doing a, a, a discussion group on difficult passages. Have you ever run into a difficult passage that you read it and you say, I don't know what's going on here. I just don't understand this. We all have that struggle. And what's the best thing to do when you run into a situation like that? Come on, somebody, be bold. It's easy. Pray. Just pray about it. Talk to God about it. Ask God to help you understand it, to lead you into this understanding. We don't know just exactly how God's going to do that. But he might direct you to Wes, and Wes explains it to you. Or you might talk to someone else that you know very well. And so God uses us very often to help us see some things that we don't normally or might not see. 
But we're going to notice here something else as we move through the Ephesian letter. Is the power that God has given us that we might understand what he wants us to do and that we might be able to do what he wants us to do is the Holy Spirit. Now, it's fascinating. The Holy Spirit is mentioned 11 times in the book of Ephesians. So you've got six chapters, almost twice in each chapter, you've got the mention of the Holy Spirit. And we know that Scripture teaches us that God has given us His Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to help us and to strengthen us. And so we don't know necessarily how the Holy Spirit does it, but we have faith that if we talk to God, He's promised to give us the strength to understand these things. Are you comfortable with that? That the Holy Spirit is there to help you with the difficult times you have, the struggles you have, or trying to understand Scripture, whatever it might be, or trying to understand what God wants you to do. All right. Well, I want you to notice a couple of passages. We're going to just go ahead here that reinforce that thought. Okay. Notice he, he says here, I'm going to pray that God will give you the eyes, uh, the spirit of wisdom, of revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, that word knowledge um, is special knowledge in a sense because it's epigenosis. Doesn't that excite you? Epigenosis? You know that word already. Because how do we spell the word know? K-N-O-W. Where do you think the K came from? From the Greek, you see. See, gnosis. So, here we have epi means over or complete and knowledge. So God, through Paul, wants us to have full knowledge of what he wants us to do. So how do we get that full knowledge? Well, a variety of different ways. Uh, but we'll talk a little more about that. So he wants them to have this full knowledge. And they moves on here and says that uh, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you? And here Paul doesn't use the standard word for know, which is gnosis or gnosko. He uses a much older Greek word, which is not used as often, and it's the Greek word oida. oida. And oida carries the sense of solid knowledge, full knowledge. So Paul is saying, I'm praying to God, that he may give you this full understanding of the real knowledge that you need to have. Okay, trick question. Based upon what we heard there this morning, what would be the full knowledge that God or Paul want us to have? Okay. I'm going to pick on Susan. Is it knowledge of the Bible? No. No. Why? Because we're human and we just don't, you know, this is a magnificent book and it's got so much good stuff in it. You know, we can live for a long time and still be digging and not get. So it's obviously not scripture. It's not the full knowledge of scripture, which would be nice. Okay. Or might it be full knowledge of the church? What is the real church? Uh, that's important, isn't it, to know what the church is. Very important. But the full knowledge that he wants us to have and understand is the knowledge of what? 
Okay, it begins with the word, with the letter C. And it goes to H and R and I. Okay, the full knowledge of Jesus. That's what we need to know, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And if we know what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, then we're not going to be hunting all over the place for other answers. He's given us the answers. So he's praying here that God would give us that full knowledge that we need to have, which is Jesus Christ. We'll pick up on that as we move on there. Now, turn over the page to chapter 3. And look at verse 14. Chapter 3, verse 14. How does it begin? For this reason. Okay. For what reason? Come on, folk. For what reason is Paul been talking about? That we may so live that we bring praise to God through Christ Jesus in the church. That's the thing that he keeps coming back to. The theology of the book of Revelation, which sort of reaches out over the whole thing, is that God has decided before the foundation of the world that we in Christ should so live that we bring glory to God through Christ and in the church. So that dominates the book of Ephesians. So when he comes back here and he says, for this reason, where's he going? Back to that theology. Of, for this reason, <clears throat> I bow my knees before the Father. What's he doing when he bows his knees for the Father? He's praying. But hasn't he already said, I pray constantly for you folk. So he comes back again to the same thought. For this reason now, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, and that through Christ, and, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him, who by the power at work within us, is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Notice how he comes back to that same theme again. For this reason, that we might live in such a manner that we bring glory to God. Now, he's already said he's praying that we might have the right kind of knowledge, the spiritual knowledge, which is the knowledge of Jesus. Now he's coming on a little bit further here and picking up that same theme again, and he's introducing the Holy Spirit. See, And what, what is the Holy Spirit going to do according to this, pan, this passage? Strengthen us with what? With power, with might. You see, he's going to be working in our lives to strengthen us. Why? So that we can speak in tongues? I can speak in tongues, but I can tell you it's got nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. I was just bought, born in the right place. Okay. All right. So is this power going to enable us to perform miracles? No. In the context of Ephesians, what is this power going to help us do? So live that we bring glory to God through Christ Jesus 
in the church. That message keeps coming back to us. Now, when we end up with that passage, we look at the end of chapter 3, we're going to move on into chapter 4, in which Paul is going to start talking about problems that the church has in which they need the Holy Spirit to help them. And one of them is that we may maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Isn't that a problem that we all face because we're human? You know, uh, I could ask those of you, Tiffany, I'm going to pick on you there. Do you and your husband always agree on everything? No. No, okay. Is that because he's just not smart enough? Yes. (laughs) No, okay. So we realize that we are human. Okay? And we're not always going to agree with one another. See? And with that mindset, you can see how, if we're not careful, that can impact the church. And Paul is wanting us, he's saying here, if you don't know, learn how to live in the church, in the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, guess what? You're not going to bring glory to God through Christ and the church. Some of you might have witnessed the unfortunate experience of being in a church that divides and splits, and then the anger that goes on there, and you begin to ask yourself, are we acting like Christians? So Paul knew that one of the major problems the church in Ephesus would face, with all of these false doctrines floating around, that if they weren't careful, they'd lose their vision of who they're supposed to be, and it's in Christ. You see, so we start talking about practical problems in chapter 4. But let's come back now to chapter 2 here as we work through this fabulous passage there. What I want you to remember as we think of Ephesians, okay? Number one, you need to ask yourself, what is this book all about? Okay, obviously you could say it's about Christ, it's about God. Yes, that's true. But there's something specifically central to this book, which is that we so live that we might bring glory to God through Christ Jesus in the church. That's the underlying theology of this book. And so Paul says, for this reason, or for that reason, or because of this, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that God gives you the right kind of knowledge, a spiritual wisdom in the knowledge of Jesus. See, so he starts out with that. I'm going to pray to God that he gives you the spiritual wisdom. Now, to, turn over to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. This is a, a passage, one of my favorite passages. I just like this one, as I like a lot of other ones, but this is a nice one. All right. Therefore, what does therefore mean? Hmm? It's somewhat like for this reason, isn't it? You know, he's made some statements over here, and he comes along and he says, therefore, for this reason, because of this, now he's going to tell us what follows the therefore. One of my uh, favorite teachers, Dr. Neil Lightfoot, always said, when you run into the word therefore, stop to see what it's there for. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Uh, that stays with you, you know. Stop to see what's it doing there. So, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, 
so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. When I ran into that early on, that bothered me. Because I was taught that you're not saved by works. And here's Paul saying you need to work out your own salvation. In other words, I've got to dig out my own salvation, which might be different from your salvation. That's not what he's saying there at all. And we need to understand that. The, work, the word that he uses there for work out, which is difficult to translate. It's not that difficult. Our translators just didn't do a very good job of it, as you'll see. But the word is actually katergadzomai. Katergadzomai. That's not difficult, is it? Katergadzomai. Katergadzomai is two Greek words. Kata and ergadzomai. See? So when you take two Greek words and you put them together, what does it do? It intensifies the meaning. So it doesn't sound like it literally is, but you've got to see what's going on. Okay? So he's saying here, I'm praying for you that you may work out your own salvation, that you will energize your salvation. How did you come by that salvation? It's easy, folks, through Jesus Christ. Okay, that's what Ephesians is telling us. It's, it's easy. We came to the salvation through Jesus Christ, through your faith, repentance, baptism. You're born into the family of God. You're united with Christ. Where did Paul say you, you're united with Christ in baptism? Oh, that's one of the passages that you need to memorize or know because Peter's going to ask you that when you get to heaven. Okay? <laughs> Romans chapter 6. Right? He says when we were baptized, guess what? We died to our past life. We are raised to walk in a new life. And we are united with Christ and united in Christ, you see. Okay, that's a little story about salvation. So, yes, we understand the nature of our salvation. But then Paul says, now, folk, you need to energize that. What does that imply, energize? Do something, okay? You've got to do something, all right? You've got to make an effort, you know? Uh, I would say coming to church on Sunday is going to be one of those things that's going to energize you. I don't know how anyone can come here to McDermott and hear the singing without getting energized. I mean, that just lifts you up and energizes you. It's one of the ways that we are energized. Bible study, coming to Bible study, going to prayer meetings, another thing. These are different ways that we energize. Another way of putting it that way is that we mature our salvation, which began some time ago, and now we're working on maturing our salvation. Okay, So that's a, a nice way of looking at that little expression, kat ergadzomai. So when you get home and uh, Gary says to you, what did you learn today that I didn't know? Read my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him, Kater Yeah, Okay. Forget that. I just wanted to pick on her. <laughs> she keeps me straight. Now, one of the things that Dr. Lightwood also told me is when you run into the word therefore, stop to see what it's there for, and when you've read the passage that's giving you trouble, read the next verse. 
Okay? Can you get that? Okay, read the next verse. So let's do that here. When he says, work out your own salvation, fear, then he says here, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? Fear doesn't apply, you know, just falling apart at the seams and that kind of fear. It carries a sense of, of respect and awe. Okay, so with great respect and trembling, we work out our salvation. Why? Look at verse 12. For... God is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You might say for his good plan. So the point that he's making here is to the Philippians, and and let me just back up, the epistle to the Philippians is a beautiful epistle, but it it, uh, leaves you with the impression that the church in Philippi has got the blahs, the spiritual blahs. You folk okay with that? What does it mean to have the spiritual blahs? Did you ever get up in the morning on Sunday morning at 6 o'clock and you've got to get the kids ready to go to church and you're tired and the kids have got the sniffles and whatnot and your husband is not being too good? You say, Lord, I don't want to go there today. I'm just not ready. Have you ever felt like I'm just not ready to go to church today? We all run into those Spiritual blahs, when we sort of get run down spiritually and emotionally. So he says, when you run into those spiritual blahs, then let it energize you with fear and trembling, because God is at work in you, both to will. What does that mean? If God is at work in me to will, what is he helping me do? will make up my mind God is at work in us both to will and to work according to his good pleasure See, so it's just a reminder that the church as I say in Philippi was, had the spiritual blahs and so Paul keeps on coming back and says don't you know there's joy in Christianity you folks are missing the joy See, so you need to get busy now the question we're asking as we look at Ephesians here in this passage that we're looking at here uh, and as we looked at in chapter 3 is that he has promised these Christians, or he's warned these Christians first, that they cannot do this on their own. One of the reasons for that, for the church, is what? We're surrounded by people. And what do those people do for us? They support us. They encourage us. So you see, the church is one of the ways in which God encourages us and builds us up, the fellowship that we have. Can you understand why the writer of the Hebrew letters wrote to those guys back there, and he says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves as the manner of some is. Do you think he had read Paul? I'm sure he had. Knew Paul. So, again, there is, there is a strength that we gain by worshipping together in fellowship. So, that's part of it. Both to will and to work. God wants to work in your life. So as we look at Ephesians, we've been thinking, how is he promising the Ephesians he's going to work in their life? Through his Holy Spirit, who works in you with God's great power. This passage is absolutely phenomenal as we read it through here. Um, that you may know what is the hope to which you have been called, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. 
We share in the riches of God. Can you think of how big that pile would be if we started to list the riches of God? That we may share in the glorious inheritance of the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power in us who believe according to the working of his great might. One of the other passages that was found in Colossians that people misuse very often is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't know how many times at ACU before students write the final exam and they pray that. I can do all things through Christ. And I say, hey, wait a minute, folks, you just blew it. Because if you didn't study, I can tell you, you ain't getting anywhere. And, and God's not going to put that in your mind. You've got to study, you see. But we've misused that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Anything that I want to do, I can do it. I hear the football players saying that. Okay? They didn't get tackled head on enough to realize it doesn't work that way. Okay? But what Paul is saying to the Colossians is this. In Christ Jesus, I can do everything that God wants me to do. Okay? Now, he doesn't want us all to do the same thing, does he? It'd be a mess if we all, God wanted us all to do the same thing. Uh, but there are things that I can do. And that Paul is saying, those things that I can do, God through his Holy Spirit will help you to do the things that you're supposed to do. The context over there in, in Colossians has to do with the, you know, I, I can put up with all kinds of difficulties. I mean, I don't have to have food, I don't have to have money, I don't have to have this stuff. Because why? Because of Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, great passage that we have here in Ephesians, in, encouraging us to realize that God wants to work in our lives through his Holy Spirit to do just amazing things as he encourages us and builds us up. So next week we will pick up with uh, chapter 2, uh, which is another great passage of scripture as we look at uh, what God has done for us. He's going to start out by saying, no, thank you, Susan, not next week. All right, it's spring break. I haven't yet figured out why, because it's spring break at school, that we've got to take a break. Well, it's because of the mothers that have got to take care of the kids. I understand that, okay? And I don't have any of those guys to take care of. Hallelujah. <laughs> so next week we won't be doing class next week. But the next one we come back, we'll look at chapter 2, and he's going to make this statement. He's going to start out by saying... When you were dead in your sins, guess what? God made you alive through faith in Christ Jesus. So that's another great thing that God has done for us that we need to remember.